You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. to the 49ers Rush Podcast, and here is your host, John Chapman. Welcome to another 49ers Rush Podcast. I am your host, John Chapman, and we are finding our way through this offseason. It is, you know, hopefully we're getting, we're getting closer and closer, just over 90 days to the start of the season, but we still got a lot of stuff going on. You know, we're in OTAs right now which there's one more OTA practice. Depending on when you listen to this, it's June 6th. Then after that, they get a little bit of time off, about a week. And then mandatory minicamp will be June 11th through the 13th. And training camp, not too far after that, will start around July 27th. We don't have the exact day yet. The NFL only basically sets a precedent for you can start 15 days before your first preseason game so if we follow that formula it's going to be july 27th or around that time based on the first preseason game which is august 10th versus the dallas cowboys and then our very first game which is going to be september 8th at tampa bay so just some dates to keep in mind there so this episode what we're going to be doing we're going to be covering a little bit of ota breakdowns there's a little bit more trickling out through the media Uh, there has not been a lot of practices that have been open to the media so we kind of have to wait and see with what they get and then go through their reports then after that we're going to jump into the mailbag again we've got several unanswered questions i doubt we will get all of them today really do appreciate all the questions you guys come up with it's a lot of fun so if you want to submit more questions for future podcasts please reach out to me twitter's the best way at jl underscore chapman c-h-a-p-m-a-n or if you want to do old-fashioned way and email me that's 49ers rush podcast at gmail.com and just want to let you know we are going to be getting into the collective bargaining agreement which is going to be expiring soon and breaking that down a little bit later. I'll save that towards the end of the podcast. So for those of you that aren't into contracts and all that stuff, you can skip that part. But, man, I love this kind of legal sports talk, finances. Holy cow. Yeah, it's a little too exciting for me. I I figured out when doing some research, just my nerdness knows no levels. (laughs) So stay tuned for that. That's going to be taking place later in today's episode. But – 
Most importantly is the OTAs that are going on now. And I just want to say thanks to Jennifer Lee Chan with NBC Sports. She is absolutely incredible and just puts out great work. So for a more detailed written thing, I got a lot of my notes from her and a couple other sources. But I just wanted to give her a shout out for the great work that she does. She is amazing. So OTAs, we've got to start out with some positive news right off the bat. Congratulations to one of the greatest 49ers, one of my favorites, Navarro Bowman. Um, he signed the one-day contract and retired with the 49ers and just absolutely incredible. And it's crazy to look at his time here. He only played for eight years, which eight years is a long NFL career, but it seems like he was around a lot longer than that. And he was able to amass three Pro Bowls and four All Pros in eight short years, and I'll tell you this: you know, hit that combination of Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman was just beyond elite. One of the greatest, if not the all-time greatest, linebacker duo between those two guys. When Bowman was at the peak of his career, I do believe that you know it was a much shorter time frame, but he was the best linebacker. Period, and. You know, as he started to ascend, Patrick Willis, unfortunately, uh, was a little bit older. Uh, his his time caught up to him. But Navarro Bowman at the top of his game, I would put up there with any linebacker in NFL history. He was beyond elite. So just want to say thanks to Bowman. It was pretty cool. He got, whenever he signed his contract, they called him out on the field at OTAs, and he was able to break down, uh, you know, the the practice at the end when they were in the huddle. That was a really cool thing to see. If you haven't seen it, it's all over Twitter. Uh, you can look it up on YouTube as well on the 49ers official page. So, uh, Debo Samuel, the second round pick, lots of news with him. One, he sat out the last OTA. Uh, but he was able to get in a lot of extra conditioning. The coaching staff said it was a minor injury. Another coach said it was a minor tweak. No big deal. He was kind of dancing around, uh, getting mental reps. And, you know, Mike LaFleur, uh, the passing game coordinator for the 49ers, said Debo's been coming in on the weekends for a lot of extra work. And Wes Welker, one of the wide receiver coaches, a uh, very famous wide receiver coach, uh, has been working with him a lot extra. And the 49ers mic'd up Wes Welker, which is hilarious in and of itself. His personality is uh, quite entertaining in and of itself. And he stays after practice and does some extra conditioning with Debo, just trying to get him in game shape. So uh, you can go watch that mic'd up version. It's just a couple minutes, but it's very, very entertaining. Uh, so Debo, there's lots of good things coming, but it, it, you just got to be careful. A lot of people got really upset when Nick Bosa tweaked his hamstring in the very first practice and said, see, injury prone, blah, 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 blah. I'm not a big fan of those kind of knee-jerk reactions to those, even though I'm guilty sometimes. But if you look at rookies across the league, uh, this is not new. You work so hard to get into NFL draft and combine shape, which is not football shape. It's totally different. And everybody said, well, see, we should have drafted Quinn Williams. We should have drafted Josh Allen. Well, guess what? Quentin Williams and Josh Allen also got hurt or are dealing with injuries since their very first OTA as well. So it, this is not something that's small to uh, Nick Bosa. It's just the way it goes. You've got to ease these guys into that football mindset and football workload. It's not just running 40s and things like that and lifting weights. Football is different. So moving on, I did want to say Wes Welker had a couple comments on Matt Mayoko's podcast as well about Jalen Hurd. He was asked if Hurd is going to be played in the slot. 
Um, Wes Welker said he, he will have the, the chance to do that, but he's got to lose some pounds first. He's a little too heavy. He's a big guy, um, and he is working really hard to do that. And the reason why I put this at the very front is this is the best news uh, that has come out of Santa Clara since – uh, the draft. I, I love this because what it means is, you know, Kyle Shanahan alluded to the possibility that Jalen Hurd could be playing tight end, uh, fullback, all these things if he got bigger. And I was immediately just, no, I do not want that. <laughs> one, we have one of the greatest tight ends and we drafted another, you know, wide receiver two, whatever. We got use check at a fullback. I think the best spot for Jalen Hurd is that big slot role or wide receiver role. And so the fact that they are not going to just kind of redshirt Jalen Hurd, uh, instead they are going to try to get him to lose some weight and get smaller so that he can make an instant impact this year. This is abs- I'm very, very excited because I-, I understand versatility and I love that. That's great. But where his position and his talent translates the best in the NFL is that big slot role or wide receiver outside. Doesn't matter just as long as he's a wide receiver. Yeah, you want to use a couple gadget plays and line them up in the backfield or, you know, as a wing or as a tight end. That's fine. But don't compromise his shiftiness and elite athleticism just to add more weight. So very, very excited about that. Now, let's get into the OTA quarterback breakdown. Jimmy Garoppolo is still just doing 7-on-7 work. He will not do full 11-on-11 or teamwork until training camp. That has been the plan since day one, so nothing new there. But during 7-on-7s, Jimmy G did all right. Not great, but all right. Um, Had a touchdown pass to Kittle, which seems anytime the media showed up, Kittle has had at least one touchdown, if not, uh, you know, all the way up to three touchdowns in one practice. This guy is going to continue his dominance. And the funny thing is, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is, whether it's Jimmy, CJ, Nick Mullins, Kittle's the guy. He's absolutely incredible. Now, Kittle scored a touchdown just on a simple out route in the end zone, and Kawan Williams was guarding him, which is a tough matchup for anybody. And Kawan got pretty upset, saying it should have been a push-off offensive pass interference, but whatever. Uh, We'll roll with that one there. He also hit Tevin Coleman with the receiving touchdown working in goal line. So that is wonderful to see just how often these new guys are getting in. You know, Tevin Coleman is one of the only healthy running backs that we have. Um, The next three guys, whether they're behind them or beside them, however you want to say that, Matt Breida, uh, Peck issue, Jet McKinnon, uh, he's still dealing with that ACL issue. He's going to be fine for training camp. And then Raheem Mostert with his forearm. So those three guys are out. So it's great to see Coleman doing so well. Even though it's just 7-on-7 and 11-on-11, it doesn't matter. Now, the best pass of the day that Jimmy Garoppolo had was to Kendrick Bourne. It was a 15-yard route downfield, um, traveled in the air. Richard Sherman outstretched and couldn't get to it, but absolutely incredible pass. It's a lot of fun. You can see it on um, Twitter if you can look for it under OTAs. But here's the deal that's impressive, and I don't, I don't want to jump the gun too much. The best pass later on that CJ had was also to Kendrick Bourne. So it seems like it doesn't matter who goes in, Bourne is having a great OTA, maybe one of the better ones. He is one of those guys, even though he led the 49ers in receiving last year, a lot of people are saying he's a bubble uh, roster spot. I think that he's going to make it. I think it's between him and Jordan Matthews for that kind of bigger outside role. Um, I think Kendrick Bourne's going to win that, and he's had a lot of good practices. I would not be upset if Jordan Matthews or both of them make the roster. 
but I do think that Kendrick Bourne has the lead for sure there. Trent Taylor had a really good day as well, and the reports came out that he looks super fast compared to last year. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo went to him three plays in a row in seven-on-seven drills, and he's just getting a lot of separation. So it's great to see him coming off that back injury. Again, another bubble roster guy. Um, him and Richie James, whoever wins that one, I don't think that they keep both under any situation. It's those two guys fighting for that smaller slot role. Um, if Trent Taylor is completely healthy, I think that's his to lose. The upside, I think, is with Richie James, but that's whichever side you want to pick there. Now, Nick Mullins and the backups, the battle of the backups, as I'm going to keep calling it, even though I think it's Mullins' job to lose. They get all the team reps. Um, Mullins' best pass of the day was to Dante Pettis, who had a very tight coverage versus Dante Johnson, uh, but just an absolute perfect pass that dropped in where only Pettis could get it. Dante couldn't get there, and it was awesome completion. So Pettis, you know, showing out. He, he's usually a guy that gets a lot of separation, but he didn't on this play in particular. And even he had a great pass, you know, staying with Mullins to Bourne over the middle. Uh, Greg Mabin was in trail coverage, and it was just a perfect pass uh, to Bourne over the middle. Now, CJ... Targeted Trent Taylor more than anybody. We know he doesn't like to go deep too, too often, but whenever he does, he makes it count. Um, you know, they, and also of note, Trent Taylor was doing some outside wide receiver lineup. He was not just in the slant or in the slot route, uh, slot position, because here's what's key. It seems like whoever you're keeping, you better be able to line up in the slot or outside or something else. If you are just pegged to one position, that is a red flag in this offense with how multiple Kyle Shanahan is wanting to be. You know, if you look at Dante Pettis, Debo Samuel, Jalen Hurd, um, you know, Marquise Goodwin, doesn't matter. If you're going to play wide receiver or a skill position, you can even say this for the running backs. You better be able to line up at running back and slot. You better be able to line up at outside and or slot. You better be able to line up at tight end or slot. You have to be able to do multiple things. And one of the knocks on Trent Taylor has always been he's just a slot guy. Well, that's how he's been used for us predominantly. But it seems like they're going to see if he can be as versatile as a lot of the other guys. And if he can, then I think he's going to be able to lock up a spot. So, um, the best pass of the day for CJ was to Kendrick Bourne, as I alluded to earlier. Uh, it was a high-pointed ball in double coverage between Dante Johnson again and David Mayo, and he just gave uh, you know the the bigger-bodied Kendrick Bourne a chance to go up and get it, and he did in double coverage, which was awesome for a first down. So uh, CJ had a decent day. Nothing really special out of the quarterbacks, but nothing really bad either. Now, defensive standouts in the practice, Greg Mabin and Elijah Lee both broke up a Jimmy Garoppolo pass in 7-on-7. Seven seven. Um, and Blair, another bubble roster guy who I think is going to make it. I love this kid. He played great against the run several plays in a row and even got a tackle for loss where he was able to beat the tackle uh, to get in the mesh point as the ball was being handed off to Jeff Wilson Jr. Couldn't do anything and basically made the tackle as soon as he got the ball. Now, Real quick, there is an, uh, a rumor going around. It's a small one uh, from Adam Schefter saying unrestricted free agent Kayvon Webster, cornerback, um, that there's a lot of interest. He visited the Saints today, but the 49ers are very interested as well. He's five foot 11, 193 pounds, five-year vet, was a third-round pick from the Denver Broncos, and he won a Super Bowl there. So uh, there is something that we could do here because – and the big reason why I bring this up is 
if we did bring him over, I think that would further cement that role of you know our third round pick last year, Tarvarius Moore, staying at safety, which gosh needs to happen. So something to look in there too. If the 49ers do bring in another corner, I think that's what that's going to mean is that Tarvarius Moore is going to stay at safety. If we bring in a safety, I do think that we're going to push more back over to that cornerback position. So um, just something to look into. So that's the OTA report. What I want to do now is just – before we jump into questions and get into all kinds of weird topics, I want to take time to thank our sponsor, Game Day Sports and Memorabilia. I know I talk about them every week, but holy cow, they have given us so much merchandise to give away for free, and we're going to have another giveaway coming up soon. So uh, head over to their website, gamedaysportsmemorabilia.com. Whatever it is you want, 49ers related or any sports team, they have you covered. And let them know the 49ers Rush podcast sent you. Again, that is Game Day Sports and Memorabilia. Okay, our first question comes from A. Girardi21. Um, and, you know, this is a very obvious question, but I do want to talk about this some. He asked, do you think Jimmy G wears the brace to start the season on his knee? Uh, so they've already come out and said, yes, he will be wearing the brace. Um, and here's the thing. You know, they asked Jimmy G about it, and he said, yeah, you know, with technology today, it's so light, you don't even notice it. And he's not that much of a mobile quarterback whatsoever. So this isn't something that's going to affect him near as much as a quarterback like Lamar Jackson or, uh, you know, fill in the blank. It, that's not really his game. And, you know, if you go back to about four, you know, the last three to five years, you would see these gigantic kind of offensive lineman looking knee braces that quarterbacks would wear after surgeries, and it would cause problems. You know, the quarterback would scramble, he'd slide, do the kind of the baseball slide and get caught up in the turf. I think Joe Flacco was the one that was real bad. And then they have to send him into the tent and take off his pants because it's all jacked up. Those days are over. If you look at Jimmy G's brace, it's very small and not very invasive or bulky. So it's not really that type of uh, knee brace. Also, you know, what a lot of people haven't really talked about, it's not Jimmy G's plant leg. So whenever he goes into his quarterback drop, his plant leg that he puts all of his weight on, the knee that takes all the stress, that's not it. It's his front leg. So whenever he goes through his throwing motion and he hits that back step in his drop, whether three, five, seven step, whatever, that's his healthy knee. Uh, his kind of forward leading leg, whenever he goes through his throwing motion, his follow through foot, like that's the one with the brace. So that's a very good thing. Just something to understand. Most of the stress and weight is going on his uh, always healthy knee. So that's a great thing. That's going to help and speed up his recovery. And I'm telling you right now, if we were in training camp right now, Jimmy Garoppolo would be a full go. Um, he looks absolutely incredible and smooth. Any of the film you watch, any of the stuff coming out of OTAs, he looks great. So uh, my concern level for him is going down every single day. Now, let's get a little nerdy. Kevin asks, will there be a lockout after the CBA, um, after the 2021 season? So the CBA, the collective bargaining agreement that has been agreed upon for several years, it expires um, after the 2021 season. Now, this is a big deal because this affects the way contracts are being drawn up now, and it's huge. The NFL Players Association sent out a warning to all sports agents saying to prepare for a work, work stoppage here in a couple of years. 
So this is gigantic. Now I reached out to a few players that I know fairly well and I asked them, hey, have you talked about this with your agent, all these things? Both of them responded almost exactly the same. Yeah, it's probably going to stop, which is absolutely awful. From a fan, we want to keep playing. Um, you know, we've got to figure out a way for this to work out. So I want to break down the kind of main concerns from both sides and why this is taking place and what to look forward to. The NFL owners have the most power and money share of all major sports uh, across all major continents. You know, you want to look at Major League Baseball, hockey, soccer in Europe, doesn't matter. Um, the NFL is king in revenue. They make way more money than anything else. And also, the NFL team owners, they keep everything. Um, so, they did a poll uh, the NFLPA did a poll and basically said, what are the things that you're most concerned about or want? And the players answered, you know, they didn't give percentages or anything, but this is the rank of those things. Number one is guaranteed money. Um, and I'm going to break down each one of these main concerns just really, really quick. So guaranteed money is huge. You know, you look at Major League Baseball, fully guaranteed contracts for the life of their contract the second that it's signed. Uh, hockey league majority of those are sorry almost all those guaranteed in the nba are about 95 percent guaranteed money and so if you look at football the most physical the most injury sport out there it's the least guaranteed money and i don't really understand why this is the case uh it needs to be remedied big time um you know and then if you look at how much money is split between the nfl team owners and the players, uh, the players only get 47%. So uh, 47 to 48.5% of the revenue goes to the team players. The rest goes to the team owners. So, and what that revenue is made up of media deals, local revenue, selling, concessions, all those types of things. And we only know this because of the Packers, which is really, really interesting. Because the NFL doesn't have to release any of this to the public. They are a private company. But the Packers are not. They are a publicly owned company. Therefore, they have to release all revenue to the public uh, as part of just, you know, the, it's just the way it is. <laughs> so the NFL doesn't release any of this. But what we can do is we could take the Packers information because they're a public trade company and then extrapolate that. So based on the information that the Packers have released, and again, if you hate this talk, I'm going to get to some more questions. But uh, I, I'm sorry. I'm a big nerd. Um, I'll put in the comments uh, exactly where this talk stops so that you can skip if you want to. So it go if this is bothering you, just go to the comments wherever you're listening to this podcast, and I'll put in there the timestamp so you can jump to it. But in 2017, owners made eight just under $8 billion in revenue from these sources, which if you divide that amongst the 32 teams, that's about $250 million per owner. So now that's not even, that's just if we are going to break it down, but the teams don't release how much they keep for themselves. So this is the numbers that we're working with. So uh, that's the number one is they want that 47% to be shifted to 50-50 or, you know, ideally for the players a little bit over. I, I do think that's going to shift some, and I'm going to end this conversation saying, you know, what John Chapman's compromise plan between the NFLPA and the owners, what should happen. The number two thing, franchise tag needs to go. This hurts the players that are at the top of the game the most. 
because it's not so much a dollar figure number. If you look at kind of Le'Veon Bell, if you look at Earl Thomas, if you look at anybody, no player wants to be franchise tag, and whenever they do, they get pissed off. The reason why they get pissed off has nothing to do with the dollar amount. It has to do with wrapping up future security. So, yeah, the franchise tag is huge money. And I, I hear some of you saying, who cares? They're making $20 million a year. Yeah, not the issue here. And it's not so much that I'm on the player side. I'm just saying this. The players want the long-term safety. Not so much dollar figure numbers. They want long-term. They want that three-year, that four-year, that five-year deal that is going to guarantee their, their future. They're the ones putting their bodies on the line. And I think Earl Thomas, the safety for the Seahawks, now he's with the Ravens, said it best. I go out there and play in a way that I put my body and my future on the line every single play. And I don't want to have in the back of my mind, man, if I get hurt, I'm screwed financially long term. I want to be able to have that security so I can keep laying it out there, everything on the line, balls to the wall every play. But whenever the finances are not that way, I don't want to play that way. And we all know he didn't get the long term deal. He didn't hold out. He went out and played. Uh, snapped his leg in half and flipped the Seahawks off as he was escorted off the field, which is sad. Um, you know, I want to take care of these players, especially the top ones. Uh, that's just my idea. The next thing is the fifth-year option needs to go. As you know, if you're a first-round draft pick in the NFL draft, the team gets a fifth-year option where they can exercise that only on first-round picks. So this is problematic. A lot of picks, if you're drafted in the second round, you are much more financially viable. You're going to make way more money over the course of your career than if you were drafted at the end of the first round. So let's just say hypothetically, you have a player drafted 28th overall and 33rd overall. If those players have the exact same career path and play at the exact same level, the person that was drafted 33rd overall has way more potential to make more money because that fifth-year option isn't there. Uh, players want to get rid of this, uh, but however, general managers and team owners love it because you can manipulate that cap savings that fifth year by not tying them up into a long, uh, long-term long deal. Plus, with quarterbacks, it gives you so much leverage uh, waiting into that. The next issue is marijuana. This is a big deal. The NFL has a lot of major issues and or black eyes. Um, you know, the concussion issues, definitely that's got to be up there. But probably the number two thing is opioid addiction. These guys' bodies are destroyed. And the only way that they're allowed to medicate that is by taking opiates. Um, very habit-forming. Look into, you know, Brett Favre and his past. He's been very open about what he had to do to continue playing until he was so old. Now, I understand that's their choice, but you know, CBD oil and marijuana, there are studies that have been out there that have proven this is much more therapeutic long-term than opiates. Um, so something to look into there. The NFL has go ahead and started to do a study on this. They're just trying to kind of dip their toe into this. This is a no-brainer here in my opinion. Uh, I live in a state where it's completely legal, so you can do with that what you want. But allow the players to do this. No other sports block it. Uh, this is just the NFL. I don't know why. Uh, this is a thing that's just got to go. Uh, next thing, rookie contracts not to be slotted or at least increased. You know – they overcreate they overcorrected if you look back to you know Sam Bradford was the last quarterback drafted first overall on the old C uh, collective bargaining agreement 
and he got like four years, seventy-two million. Okay, um, definitely overpaid. Well, then the new CBA gets signed, and the next I'm doing these numbers off my head. So if the if I'm off there, you can look it up and say I was wrong. That's fine. Um, it was four years, seventy-six. I'm pretty sure the next quarterback was Cam Newton, who he got four years, twenty-two million. So you can see the drop from four seventy-six to four for twenty-two. That was a fifty-four million dollar drop. And they overcorrected and corrected, and that's fine because the veterans were saying these guys are getting paid more money than us, and they've never even played a snap. And that is a legitimate concern. However, it's gone a little bit too far. Yes, the first round pick, those first round guys get money. But if you look at somebody like Fred Warner for the 49ers, who got drafted in the third round, he is making $663,000 this year. Now, I don't feel sorry for anybody making $600,000. However, if you look at things and say, all right, this guy played the third most snaps at his position in the entire NFL, uh, top 15 tackles in the league, and he's not even close to making a million dollars and won't be throughout the life of his rookie deal. Now, if you look at signing bonuses and things like that, he's going to be barely hitting a million dollars. But majority of players, uh, one of the major concerns is if we don't play up to our contract, we get cut. That's cool. However, if we outperform our contract, there's nothing that we can do. So trying to figure out a creative way where either rookies get slotted a little bit more percentage-wise or maybe you can outplay your contract and play yourself into a new one. Uh, again, these are not my concerns. These are the concerns of the players, and this is what's going to hold up um, whenever the CBA takes place. And the last one that I want to talk about is long-term health and financial benefits, namely retirement, uh, whether that's savings and or taking care of their bodies. The NFL does not take care of their people afterwards. Um, so, for example, in this new CBA, you have to have three accrued NFL seasons to qualify for retirement. Now, it was four NFL accrued seasons previously. So what the hell is an accrued season? This means you are active for at least three games uh, or on injured reserves for three seasons. So it, basically, you have to be on the active roster for three games each season for at least three years. Now, the problem with this is of all the players that participate in the NFL, 76% of them do not meet this criteria. You know, we as fans, we know all the big players, DeForest Buckner, Jerry Rice, Joe Staley, you know, all these guys. That's not the average player. The average player is in the NFL for 2.2 years, and they're done. And if that's the case, you are never going to reach this uh, retirement. You're not taken care of financially long term. Um, yes, you're going to be able to make some money, whether you're a practice squad player or whatever else. But is that going to pay for your medical stuff whenever you have blown out knees, head problems, all that stuff? It does not. Um, so, and all these numbers are taken from the Professional Football Researchers Association. So I don't want you to think I'm just pulling these numbers out of my butt. Uh, this is their research that they have done with the NFLPA. So what are you going to do for the people that, you know, sacrifice and put all this on there? I'm not worried about Brett Favre. I'm not worried about Deion Sanders. These guys are financially, they're going to be just fine. I am worried about the undrafted free agent that's on the practice squad for two years, 
finally gets his break, starts three games, and then something happens. Well, guess what? This is a guy that has made maybe two to three hundred thousand dollars over the course of these three years, and now his body's destroyed. So uh, it's not so much like cry for me, but whenever you are part of the NFL and you are the most financially dominant organizations in the sports organization in the world. Why is there not enough money when you're bringing in $8 billion to take care of these people? That's all I'm trying to say. Uh, my guess at a compromise, marijuana thing is going to be passed. That's going to be almost – it's an easy give up for the league. No big deal. Rookie slot percentages will be increased. The franchise tag um, is going to be increased even more than it is. And what I'm hearing saying – this is a couple rumors I've heard mentioned a couple times – is that a player can only be franchise tagged once – in their entire life, regardless of team. So I can be franchised once no matter what. So even if I change teams, you just it's one and done. That's all that there is to it. Revenue percentage would be increased to about 52% in fa uh, for the favors, 50 to 52%. And guaranteed money will be increased. There's no way the NFL will go to fully guaranteed because of the injuries. But anyway, that's my take on that. Whew. Man, I hope you enjoyed that part of the podcast. I'm going to answer some more questions now. But uh, sorry I geeked out on you guys a little bit too much there. But if you have more questions about that, just shoot me a, you know on Twitter, at JL underscore Chapman. I love this stuff. I have eight pages on the collective bargain agreement. I don't want to keep going on it, but uh, it's fascinating stuff to me. All right, next question comes from at rlevel81.com. Um, at our level 81 great question and it's a little bit of a downer but i want to talk about it um, in your opinion what happens if jimmy g flops and is not the franchise guy we all thought does this shake up the whole front office do you keep shanahan do you keep lynch what happens all right so you know i i believe in jimmy g i think that he's going to be okay and i actually like nick mullins too but let's just play this out let's say things go just god awful Okay, the 49ers have another, you know, 4 and 12 season, 5 and 11 season, something like that. Quarterback plays terrible, whatever. Shanahan is not going anywhere. And I don't care if we go 1 and 15. You keep Shanahan. Okay? And here's why. So, let's play through three options that I've played out. 49ers are terrible and Jimmy G is awful. There's going to be a fall guy. Okay, option number one, the whole entire coaching staff and front office is done. They fire everybody, clean house, move on. I don't think they're going to do that because there's still three three years left on Shanahan and uh, Lynch's everything. I, I just don't think that that's going to happen. Um, I think the earliest that Shanahan would be removed if he had two more awful seasons would be 2020, but still no. So I'd say 5% chance if Jimmy G plays awful, uh, for the whole front office to be fired. 5% chance. Option two. Mullins is the saving grace, whatever else. You know, Jimmy G still bad. We're still a bad team, but Mullins did what he did last year. Here's what I think would happen. I think the GM, John Lynch, would be the fall guy. I really, really do. Uh, you know, whenever Kyle Lynch came in, Everybody believed Kirk Cousins was destined to be a 49er. And even after, into the season, it was going to be that way. But, you know, the whole Tom Brady and, you know, issue going on with the front office there and 
Kraft and Belichick, whatever else. Belichick basically gets forced to trade away Garoppolo. He calls the 49ers and says, we'll take a second-round pick for him. That's all we want. John Lynch says, heck yeah. And Kyle Shanahan, he's on record saying this. How did you feel whenever this happened? Kyle Shanahan said, the first thing that went through my mind is, this means I'm not getting Kirk Cousins. This is a John Lynch move. I think that Kyle Shanahan definitely signed off on it. It was like, heck yeah, this is great. But this is a GM move with his hand signature on it. So if Jimmy G flops, John Lynch was brought on by Kyle Shanahan. Most people don't understand that either. Kyle Shanahan is the man. Now, let's just play this out. For those of you that are saying, well, Kyle, or, Kyle Shanahan hasn't done anything, who would you take instead of him? This is the problem. There's nobody out there, even if you look at, let's look at every single head coach that was hired this year. Who would you rather ha have, Kyle Shanahan or Freddie Kitchens? Hell no. Bruce Arians, that one's the closest, I think, to him. But Bruce Arians is old. What's he going to coach for? Three to five more years tops. Um, you know, I, I love Bruce Arians. I really, really do. But do you want him to come in and be the guy, even though you know it's going to be short-term? I don't think you do. Matt LaFleur, hell no. Matt LaFleur has coached under Kyle Shanahan and got the job just because he coached with Kyle Shanahan. Uh, Brian Flores, I think, is a great coach. Uh, but no, Vic Vangio, we could have had that one 10 years ago. We said no to that. I do think he is a great coach. Gase, hell no. I, I think one of the worst coaching hires in the entire NFL was bringing him to New York. Zach Taylor, again, no. Cliff Kingsbury, again, no. None of these guys hold a pencil to Kyle Shanahan. And if we did release Kyle Shanahan, understand this. He would be the top coaching candidate in the entire NFL the following year. He would be hired automatically. In the NFL today, the most important thing is quarterback development and offensive scheme. Kyle Shanahan is top two to three in the entire NFL, and it's not close. Uh, maybe you could say, uh, you know, the quarter, the, the coach down in Los Angeles, McVay, or you could say Andy Reid. That's it. Uh, there's nobody else you could put up there with him. There is nobody else. Um, you, you could talk about the coach. Colts coach, you could talk about uh, Parcells, you, I mean, sorry, Parcells, Belichick, whatever, Josh McDaniels, I don't care. Uh, Kyle Shanahan is top three offensive coach in the NFL, period. So he is staying. I'm telling you this right now. So my order, and again, this is the 70%, you know, 5%, everybody gets fired, 25%, you know, Nick Mullen saves everybody, and 70%, if we have another bad season, I think that. Lynch would be the fall guy. I really do think. And so if I'm looking at the main coaching staff of the 49ers and front office, my order of people that would be fired if we don't have a winning season, Robert Saleh, defensive coordinator, would be number one. John Lynch, number two. After that, a gigantic gap, huge chasm. Then it would be Kyle Shanahan. I think Kyle Shanahan's staying absolutely no matter what. I don't care if we go 0-16. You do not file fire Kyle Shanahan I just I, I believe that personally uh, next question at Levo Skeet how do you see Fred Warner's role with the new additions changing if at all and what are the expe expectations for the second year linebacker I love Fred Warner he is a beast I talked about it third most snaps of any linebacker in the NFL um, so in our new offense or defense the Mike and Will linebacker position are interchangeable they are the exact same 
Having said that, I only want him playing Mike linebacker. I want him being the guy that gets all the calls. Um, I want him making all the calls for the entire defense. And I just want him playing that Mike role. I want everybody else to learn multiple spots. Um, I want Quan Alexander to learn Will and Mike. And the reason why is Fred Warner needs to focus on one thing and one thing only, being a sophomore player and being in charge of the defense. Everybody else needs to learn multiple spots. So if Fred Warner is healthy, he's Mike, period. Uh, Quan Alexander, he's going to be Mike and Will. So uh, what would happen there is you have Quan at Will, and let's just say something happened to Warner, then you would move him over into the Mike spot, Quan Alexander making the call, so on and so forth, and you bring somebody else in at Will. I want him focused on that one position. Now, Elijah Lee, uh, I think, could also be a backup Mike if you want him to learn. I think Elijah Lee should be the backup for every single linebacker position, personally. Uh, I love that kid, but I don't think that he is a starter. Um, Greenlaw would probably be the backup Sam uh, off-the-ball backer. I think that would be him. Now, the second part of your question, what are the expectations in the second year for Fred Warner? Number one, he's got to fix missed tackles. Okay, that's his number one priority. He had 16 missed tackles last year, and that is atrocious. Uh, just to put this into perspective of some other top linebackers in the NFL, and I, I do consider you know Fred Warner to be right on the cusp of a top linebacker in the NFL. He is that good. Uh, you know, Bobby Wagner had one missed tackle all year. Zach Brown four missed tackles. Lorenzo Alexander three missed tackles. These are guys that played uh, equivalent snaps to Warner and so he's a little off there so all right I'm going to go ahead and stop for the day yes I have more questions yes I will get to more questions but that's going to be it for today stay strong the next episode I'm pretty excited about this so stay tuned for this I'm going to be doing an offensive chart breakdown for the entire offense uh, projections carries yards receptions snap totals percentages for the entire offense of the 49ers, which is going to be rough because our backfield is a giant question mark on who's going to be the leader there. But stay tuned. That is what is up ahead. Thanks, guys. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.